Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 193 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. It's been a while. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, so I just kind of talk about where I've been, what I've been doing. Um, I had to take a little bit of a break. I uh, just needed some time, if I'm being honest. Just needed a, a little break from everything. It's been a tough year, as it's been well documented. I've talked about it a lot on this show. This will be my first show since September 14th, so we're looking at three months, which is crazy because I really do pride myself on, on getting this show out every Friday, and I did that for a long time on a consistent basis. But things just kind of caught up to me. Uh, like I said, I lost my dad in March, which has been tough. There's been a lot of extra work on my plate as a result. Um, and on top of that, things just, you know, it's been pretty quiet around here, you know, in, in terms of the Raptors and really rugby in general until the last few weeks. Uh, so I really just was not going to push myself to, to put this out uh, regularly while I'm dealing with all this other stuff. So then on top of that, was out of town for like the entire month of October, so I wasn't going to work then. Went down to Australia. I was in Chicago for a little bit also. Uh, but things are starting to pick back up, so I think it's time the show starts to pick back up as well. Uh, DNVR has been great working with me, you know, letting me kind of take my time, figure it all out. And things kind of getting ramped back up, so it's a show, and and I'm excited to to start getting back into it. Not sure what the cadence will be, uh, you know, moving forward, at least until rugby gets rolling in January. Uh, so I might take it easy for the rest of December. But I figured I'd check in with everybody, let everyone know I'm doing well, um, and really just kind of discuss what's been going on with the world of rugby here. So let's go ahead and start with the breakdown. We'll go ahead and start with the breakdown same way we usually do, and that's with an American Raptors update. And like I said, since I've checked in, there has been quite a bit going on. Um, and the biggest change probably, if I don't know, I really haven't seen it floating around out there or anything. Um, one of the biggest changes around the American Raptors, at least, that occurred back in the summer was the departure of director of rugby, Mark Bullock, general manager, Peter Pask from the Raptors. Obviously, those two, that's two big changes. Uh, Peter was doing a majority of the recruiting and, and Mark had obviously been around the program since the very beginning. Um, but Patrick Guthrie has taken over as the COO of the program. Try to get him on the podcast uh, when the season starts to hear about kind of what his vision for the club is and uh, what he's kind of doing to, to execute on that vision now because uh, he's the one building the team. And uh, it's looking good that from what I've seen so far. I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get later into the show. But I'm excited for the season. I think it's going to be – it's going to be a fun year. It's the second year in Super Rugby Americas, obviously, and the second time you do something, it's going to be easier than the first time. Uh, first year is filled with all new experiences. That's a lot of travel. 
Um, you're, you're literally playing a different country each week. And now a decent chunk of the guys have that experience under their belt. They know what to expect. And I would assume that the results will reflect that. Um, the Ra- uh, playing off of that, the Raptors' 2024 season schedule was released last week. Uh, and I think they have a more favorable travel schedule this year compared to the last. So I'll go ahead and read that for you now. So they start on the road at Dagos on February 16th, at Pampas on February 23rd, at Peñarol on March 1st. All three of those teams made the playoffs. Peñarol, of course, won the, the league in 2023. Uh, then they come home, take on Cobras on March 17th, uh, Yacare on March 24th, Selknam on April 7th, Dogos on April 14th, Pampas on April 21st, uh, Peñarol on April 28th, and uh, then they're back on the road for three more at Cobras on May 11th at Yacare, or Yacare. I, I can never say that name. I'm sorry, Yacare. I butcher your name every year for this whole, this whole, every week for this whole year uh, at Yacare on May 18th, and then at Selknam on May 25th. Uh, so for reference, last season they started with four straight on the road, did six straight at home, and finished with two on the road. So this year it's nice, it's more evenly split up. Play three tough teams on the road, then you come home for six straight. Um, so ideally, you, you win one. You obviously want to win them all, but if you want, if you win one on the road, the first time you have you have a chance to make up significant ground um, and pick up a lead in the table in your six straight home matches. Um, and then you're going to have a tough test to go back down at the end of the year. Play three more. Um, but I feel confident in the improvement that the Raptors showed throughout the year last year. Uh, won their final game of the season, so picked up that momentum going into the off season. And like I said, they know what to expect. Uh, they're familiar a little bit with the refereeing now. And I'm excited for the year. It's going to be a fun one. Like I said, we'll talk more about it, I guess, when it gets a little bit closer, but it has just it's just been quiet. It's just been quiet. Everyone's kind of minding their own business, keeping their head down, uh, building up the team, getting ready for the season. And we'll talk more about it when more stuff comes up. That's really all I have to say about the Raptors right now. Um, just keep your eyes peeled for staff and roster, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in the mailbag episode or portion of the show, excuse me, coming up a little bit later in the episode. Uh, but next, let's talk about Major League Rugby. So a lot going on in Major League Rugby. I think it's safe to say this is the worst offseason in league history. Uh, it's probably the most important season in league history coming up here. And, you know, the next few months are really important um, because right now it's not even certain that we're going to make it to the year with the way that teams are falling off the map. So Toronto Arrows and Rugby New York Iron Workers have folded just 10 days apart, and we're still waiting to hear uh, what's going on with the team they're putting in L.A. That was Rugby ATL. Um, they've had the biggest lead time to kind of get things figured out before this year, and it's been crickets, radio silence, uh, no team name, no logo, no coaches, no players, no venue. Um, people have the right to be concerned because training camp starts in less than a month. I think people probably report January 1st. I think the Raptors report January 2nd, so it's got to be roughly around the same time. Um, so that's got to be scary, right? Like there's there's nothing that we know and we're getting closer every day. And teams are just dropping left and right right now. So uh, really the only thing you'd say is it sucks. No one else to say but that it sucks. Yeah, I have to be worried about the state of the league. You can't not be. Uh, one thing I've noticed in both press releases after these teams have, 
have folded in these last few days is there's a mention of strength. Uh, quote this is from Nick Benson, CEO of MLR. While this news is unfortunate and we feel for all individuals associated with the Arrows organization, the health of MLR remains strong and we look forward to exploring options to bring a team back to Canada in the future. Uh, that's just not true because then 10 days later, Rugby New York Ironworkers fold as well. And this is like almost cut and paste from the first statement into the second statement where it says, well, this is unfortunate news. Major League Rugby remains strong and the owners across the league are committed to success heading into 2024 and beyond. It's just not strong. How can that be true? Losing two teams in 10 days does not exude strength. Um, I get like a lot of it's just like for the show, like you got to show that, you know, you're ready weather the storm and that that's probably the case. I would I would hope that this is the end of, of the teams falling off the map before this next season. But if you're an investor, you got to be a little bit worried about what's going on, right? If, if the teams that your team is supposed to play just dropping left and right, that's scary. Um, and I've seen a lot of people throwing around their opinion as to what's wrong with rugby. And, and one of the common complaints that I've seen is with how the league is marketed. And everyone has the right to their own opinion. But my opinion is that's wrong, and that's a lame-ass excuse, and it's easy to pile on marketing. Um, but there, it just a, there's just a lot bigger problems than that. And, um, you know, I've seen people say, oh, they really need to go after people that are tired of football. They want to make a change from football, highlight the things rugby does best and football doesn't. And it's just easier said than done. Those people aren't in a room meeting at a select location on a weekly basis, or you could walk in with a video and show them, like, it's hard, It's tough to find these people, and rugby is such a niche sport, um, and, and you're already fighting an uphill battle because it's not as understood as, you know, some of the mainstream sports in this country, so you're, you're it's just, it's harder, it's harder than it seems. It's easier said than done to just say, yeah, it's marketing's fault, um, but when I worked for MLR during the first two seasons, I could kind of speak to this a little bit. I worked for MLR first two seasons, full, you know, transparency. I worked in the marketing department. Um, I was a writer. And it's been a while since I've done that. But, like, I've been involved in marketing rugby in this country now for the better part of a decade. This was, like, my first, you know, my first foray into sports, really, was working with the Raptors and the PRP when I was in college. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've seen it kind of from all angles and – um, I really do feel like there's people working hard on this stuff. It's just not as easy as it's made out to be. So when I worked for the MLR for the first two seasons, I would try to find any famous person who had a connection to rugby that I could speak with for a piece for the league website. Didn't matter when you played, how long ago, how long you did play. If you were a famous person and you had a connection to rugby, I wanted to talk to you. I figured, I still think this way. I figure that's a good way to get, you know, people interested in rugby it's a nice bridge right if your favorite actor athlete in another sport or whatever it may be played rugby and we can combine that that might be a reason for you to you know read this article get into rugby right that makes sense to me um two of the biggest fish we probably got when i was working there in year one uh, i managed to get a hold of nate ebner who was then playing for the new england patriots he was not yet a minority owner of the free jacks like he is now but that was a big get for me. I was excited about that one. That one made sense. Uh, probably like the most notable rugby player in the NFL. That was pretty freshly off the heels of his uh, foray into sevens in the Olympics. 
So that was that was cool to me. I thought that was you know moving in the right direction. In year two, I managed to get a hold of PFT commenter of Barstool Sports, probably one of the biggest you know proponents of rugby in quotes mainstream media. And I was really proud of the fact that we did that. That was one that was on my radar for a while. Um, and you know I got him on the phone, for thirty minute conversation. And I just kind of wanted to paint a picture of how long this took <laughs> from start to finish for, you know, when I reached out, when I started to to go, you know, hunting for him to when I turned into the piece after I'd written it, everything else, it probably took four months. I probably started that in August. And I remember I turned it in in December, beginning of December. So this this process includes getting a hold of him, scheduling a time to talk with him, you know, working with people at the league on what the story should actually be about, you know, workshopping questions, all that stuff, getting the direction pinned down, transcribing the quotes, writing, submitting it for editing, the whole nine yards. So four months start to finish from the hunt to when I turn it in. And then we're talking another month or two that MLR waited to release it because uh, they had other stuff lined up with people, you know, coming on and um, I think this was by now Nate Ebner had become a minority investor, minority owner in the Free Jacks, and they partnered this release. So the piece that I wrote with uh, an episode of Pardon My Take, which is the number one sports podcast in the United States, um, they came on, did a little interview about the Free Jacks. They paired that with my piece. It was a nice big you know, social media feature um, that was a good look for the league. That was probably a month or two later because it was right around, I think it was right like before or at the same time that MLR was getting going in season three. This was right before COVID and I didn't work there anymore. So I was anxiously waiting for it to come out. Um, it took, so that by that point, we're talking five to six months from start to finish getting PFT commenter involved. And again, I felt proud of this. This is a lot of work. Um, I had to track down the proper people to actually get a hold of him, and I was I was pleased with how the interview went. I thought it was an interesting perspective on rugby in the United States at the time. Um, and when it came out, I was I was excited to see it go live. People seemed to be excited about the piece, um, and I remember a, a fairly well known member of the rugby media made a snarky comment about you know how it was stupid that of the MLR it took forever for them to get. Uh, PFT commenter involved in MLR. Oh yeah, it only took three years, and I just couldn't help but feel a little bit upset because it's like we had been trying to do this for at least half a year at this point. So yes, it took a little bit longer than than people would have liked, and certainly I would have liked. But things take as long as they take to make, and that's been the case as as I've continued to make stuff for you know DNVR rugby, everything, just making stuff that you're happy with and stuff that you think is cool and that you're proud of just takes time. It takes as long as it takes. And um, I've still tried to do that with this podcast and, and through the DNVR platform of find people that I think are interesting, that I think people will think are interesting um, and talk about, you know, that goes for topics as well and just explore things that are rugby adjacent. doesn't necessarily have to do everything with rugby, right? I think that that has those pieces and that those con pieces of content have the most potential to appeal to to non rugby people, right? Which is how rugby is going to grow in this country and how MLR is going to survive is to get people that you know aren't diehard rugby people into the sport and just become a casual fan, come to some matches, spend money, buy tickets, follow along, like 
rise up the the water so that this can exist still. Um, and so I've tried to keep doing that, finding topics and people that are rugby adjacent, like I said. That's why I hunted down, you know, former Buffalo Bills receiver Steve Tasker, uh, pro football focus Sam Monson. That was a pretty big one to me. Uh, UFC fighter Zach Pounga. Like, these people that are becoming, you know, they're, they're, they have their toes dipped in multiple things, and, and they have rugby ties. That's important to me, and I think that stuff's cool, and that's what I'm always kind of trying to keep my eyes peeled for. Um, that's why I wrote that, you know, piece on on laterals taking you know, more of a prominent role in National Football League audiences. Like that piece alone took me four to five months to get done because I had to track down all these different football people to talk to. I had to, I think I ended up doing close to ten interviews for that piece of and finding people that wanted to talk about that with me. Um, again, again, getting availability set up, all that good stuff. The Steve Tasker interview, for reference, that took me a month just to get him to email me back, and I had to go. I had to email his boss at the radio station that he works with just to kind of get it on his radar because he's a busy man. He's doing a lot of stuff with the Bills. He has his own radio show. Um, but the thing that I find is, like, these people want to talk about rugby. They all enjoyed playing rugby they had good experiences and there's interesting people out there that have ties to rugby and that's the way that I've kind of tried to take this podcast and this uh you know these pieces of content and um that was so fun about this whole crossover experiment with the Raptors is because it was just like more of a reason to to keep pursuing that um, but, but my point is that it just takes time and while it not be, it might not be happening as fast as you want it to happen. Like there's people behind the scenes working on this stuff and yes, could it be Betty? It could, but people are trying and it's expensive. Uh, if you, it's just, it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's really hard. People are doing their best. And I just, I just have an issue with, with people's pinning it solely on marketing. Um, it's just, like I said, it's easier said than done. And it's expensive on top of everything else. So uh, I have some thoughts on, on what I think the problem with rugby is. And um, I'll just go for it now. I think the problem with rugby is that it's just really not organized. It's not specific to one league. I'm not picking on the MLR. I'm not picking on, you know, SRA. I'm not picking on a team per se. Like, it's just not organized at any level. And like I said, it's just that's just the sport of rugby. And I think that, like, weirdly enough, it's a reason that people are drawn to the sport, people that have experience playing other sports. I know that was the thing for me is, like, when I finally got into rugby, it was just, like, more relaxed. It wasn't as buttoned up um, as some of the traditional sports that I had played, and it was a breath of fresh air when I got into it. Um, but I think that that is a problem because it's not there's, – there's nobody getting things straightened up um, to get things to a place where it can be sustainable. The reason I say is because I've had tastes of what it's like to work in and around, you know, sports for the better part of a decade now. Like I said, I started working with the Raptors in the PRP back when I was in college, which was man, almost 12 years ago now. Um, but I, I've been able to, you know, cover Division One football and basketball. I've been around the NFL and rugby is just easily the most unorganized sport I've been around, and that matters when it you know when it comes time to you know lock these big deals down with these big sponsors, whether it be broadcasting, whatever. Uh, they want to know what they're getting into and and what they can expect in return, and that's just that's just not always laid out 
Um, and it's just because it's hard to get everybody on the same page. So like I said, I was credentialed by the Broncos, the Denver Broncos, and for the 2017 season, um, you'd receive emails about the weekly media schedule, what that would look like, and you know, it would include open practice times for photos and videos, a rough idea when practice would end, when media availability would begin, all that good stuff. And a lot of times the schedule wasn't accurate. You'd show up for work on a Tuesday, and you think that practice is going to end at 3, and it's 3.45, and you're still waiting for practice to end and media availability to begin when the schedule you got said you'd be done by 4, right? Um, it was annoying. You know, next thing you'd know, you'd be an hour or two behind schedule. It cuts into whatever you're going to do later. Um, and it was annoying, but that's just kind of how sports operate. Things go a little bit long. Um, you, you know, schedules are, are fluid uh, to an extent. Practice and stuff, practice schedules, all that stuff, it's fluid. Rugby is like that times a million. You get just information is just not accurate. Things change almost hourly behind the scenes, it feels like. Um, and you can just, I wouldn't even have to spill any beans. You can just think about the problems that you know exist. How do you get a big broadcast partner on the hook when um, it takes forever to get a confirmed schedule? And I know that's a deeper issue because you have venue availability issues and stuff like that. Um, but it's hard to lock down. It's hard to go to a broadcast partner with enough time in advance to get your matches slotted into the time slots and on TV when this you don't even have the schedule yet. And that's not a, an MLR-specific problem. That's an everything-specific problem. Um, scheduled matches during the season move around. And again, that comes down to venue availability and stuff, but that's that's brutal when you're trying to mark when you're trying to, like you said, market things, get people to a specific place at a specific time at a specific price point when the when the place and time is going to change. Um, like I said, I just don't think people know how much things change behind the scenes on a day-to-day -day basis. And a communication across the board in this sport leaves a lot to be desired, which is true. Um, I think that sports betting, on a whole little bit of the same topic, I think sports betting could be super beneficial for rugby, um, but it's just not organized enough to package it up and present to a big sports book, right? Why would a sports book get involved when your match day rosters aren't released in a timely, consistent manner? And even when they are published, they're often wrong. How many times have you been watching a match when you know, you're looking at the schedule on Instagram or something and the outside center scores a try and you look in the you look in at the roster and it's a different person entirely, or you know for a fact that things have been shifted around and there's been no mention of anything like that on the internet, on broadcast, on whatever. And that's not because the comms people aren't doing their job. It's because things change. Coaches switch things in and out. It's just stuff just isn't communicated super well. And a book is not going to pick that up when how can they set line? They're going to lose money. They don't, they can't even make, you know, they can't even present you with accurate bets, which prevent, which, you know, deters you from betting. It's just, it's just a mess. Uh, injury reports are non-existent. That's another thing, right? Um, how can, how can they set lines? How do you know what to expect when a bunch of people are hurt that you're, you don't even know a bunch of people are hurt. You don't know what you're going to see week in and week out. Um, these are all things that also make coverage of these teams and this and the leagues that exist much tougher for the media as well because that's a marketing tool in and of itself, right? Consistent coverage of your favorite team, your favorite league. Um, when this stuff isn't communicated properly and when stuff's not organized in a way that makes it easy for these people to get access to it, 
it creates a, a greater barrier of entry, right? There's these people aren't going to work that hard to cover your team in this niche sport um, when it's not easy. You have to make things easy for people, and that's just not the case at any level of rugby anywhere. You've talked to plenty of broadcasters that say, like, it's it's pulling teeth to get team info from people, and that's that's from the top down. That's from players to comms people to everybody, right? It's just tough to get what you're looking for uh, to make coverage of this easier. So let's just say that all of these things that I've laid out become mandated. Um, the things that people want to see across the board. Let's say the MLR is now it's now a league rule to have a grassroots rugby program that plays a minimum of 10 matches a season. That's a crowd, you know, that's U8s, that's that's high school boys and girls, that's everybody, right? You have rugby at every level, and it's required to have this grassroots youth rugby program play 10 matches a season. Every team has to provide an injury report in the days leading up to the match. So I think the NFL, if you play on Sunday, you have to have an injury report Wednesday through um, Saturday. And then there needs to be an injury designation whether or not this person is not going to play, um, whether they might play, or whether they're going to play. That's like due the day before the game. So let's say injury reports are mandated. It's a league rule. Let's say that um, every team has to provide their rosters out at a certain time and be correct. And I know that teams do this already. They have to submit their 23-man roster before 48 hours, I think, before kickoff time. But that it still changes, right? Let's say that it, it has to be in. It has to be out to the public 48 hours before, and it can't change. It has to be correct. How do you go about enforcing that? You can't find these teams because I would cripple them. I know for a fact when I worked at MLR asking questions about like, well, how does this work? What do you, what happens? Like, how do you discipline teams? And it's just like straight up saying like, I don't know. We can't, we can't, you can't find them because they already don't have money. Um, so you can't do that. Teams are on like such unsteady foundations and there's really no way to punish them. It's like, you can't really, can you take away draft picks? Maybe. Does that send a big enough message? Who knows? Like, you, there's just no real meaningful way uh, to punish them for not following the rules or to offer a meaningful enough reward to encourage people to continue to follow the rules. So, and that's like, you're just stuck between a rock and a hard place. And if you look, the last time the MLR really dropped a hammer publicly was with um, the Giltinis, the Gilgronis, Adam Gilchrist, breaking the rules, whatever he was doing. Whatever he ended up getting himself in trouble for, they threw him out of the league, took two teams down with him, and lost a whole bunch of money that was coming with him, right? Everyone is just in such a tough spot, right? It just it's really comes down to teams, and, and, and this is a lot to ask, but just being willing to, to do the absolute best that they can, right? And, and to me, if you fix the easy stuff first, which, you know, like stuff that I mentioned, consistent mass day rosters, accurate match day rosters, adhere to schedules that are put in place, like the stuff that is truly easy, and, you know, maybe it's up for debate whether or not that stuff is truly easy to fix. But if you just go about fixing the stuff that's truly easy, it makes life easier for the people that want to help you build this sport up. The barrier of entry becomes smaller when there's less mystery, right? And, and there's obviously a ton of issues that run much deeper than, than the things that I mentioned. Those are just things, little things I've noticed that have been consistently a problem throughout the entire time I've worked in, in rugby media, which is, you know, real like full time realistically I'm pushing like five years doing that. Um 
But I just think that the way things are organized is a common theme across the board. Nobody is pulling in the same direction. That's a problem. And on top of that, everyone's going their different ways, right? And I feel like nobody's experiencing enough success in these different paths that they're picking that nobody has any authority to tell people how they should be running their operation. It's just, uh, it's, a, it's a lot. So that's kind of what I think. I just think it's organization. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know what the solution is. But like I said, if you can fix the stuff that's truly easy to fix, the stuff that's really just like elbow grease, effort, like just stuff that, that you know, to, to make sure you're doing the best that you can to make things easier for people down the road, I think that would make a big difference. But that's just my two cents. I'll end this with an interesting tweet from Gary Gold, who was the most recent head coach, USA men's 15s team. And he says, this is just awful, absolutely awful. Major League Rugby has some serious questions to answer. How has this league allowed five teams to fold in just over five years? Two of them won the league. Lack of leadership and arrogant attitude to how the game should be run has led to this. USA Rugby's lack of meaningful involvement in Major League Rugby is also a factor. All of these concerns were raised by high-performance staff in 2018. All parties, including World Rugby, chose to ignore all advice. Which is an interest. that's a pretty revealing tweet, right? Like, these are conversations that are being had behind the scenes. So what we see um, is not always what's happening, or it's often the culmination of everything that's happening. And... Uh, just just my two cents. As I've kind of thought about things over the last few weeks, um, that's kind of what comes to mind. would love to hear what you think. Like I said, everyone has an opinion. That one's mine. Uh, let me know what you think. Let's go and jump into all the rugby you can watch this weekend. I think it's pretty pretty quiet time of year. Uh, only thing I know of going on is Cape Town 7s, which you can watch on Peacock. Uh, we're going to jump into the mailbag portion of the show now. It's really two questions. It's two questions that I've received pretty regularly over the last few weeks. When are we getting to see the American Raptors roster? My answer is I'd imagine it would be released by Christmas. Um, one thing I have noticed, though, that since the Raptors joined Super Rugby Americas is that teams in SRA don't really release signings individually uh, like they do in the MLR. I've seen the roster, though. It looks like there are about 15 returning players, which means there will likely be 20 new faces I think in Super Rugby Americas, you're only allowed 35 players on the roster. And it's going to be different. There's going to be some new faces around. Uh, Lene Latu is, is gone. He went to Houston. Cash Malawiya is on his way to Chicago. Ronan Murphy, uh, Peyton Talia, Isla Leo, Ethan McVie. A lot of good players that played a lot of minutes for the Raptors last year and over the last few years um, are out of here. But, but there are solid contributors returning. I'm excited to see what some roster turnover does heading into year two um, because, you know, change can be good. And that's kind of what I'm thinking as we head into the second year, 2024. Uh, things really get rolling in February. Will we see any former iron workers or arrows on the Raptor, ra, blah, blah, Raptors in 2024? You can tell I haven't spoken to a microphone in a while because I'm marble mouth. Um, had a few people reach out to me about this over the last few weeks and, and days, of course, in New York's instance. Um, but I could be wrong. I just I'm not building the roster, but I don't think that I don't think there's any room. I think it's unfortunately too close to the start of the season to see any of these players wind up on the Raptors because um, I just don't know if there's any open roster spots. But like I said, could be wrong. Things change a lot. Um, the only real way we're going to know is when report day happens. And um, yeah. 
But like I said, should have an idea. I, th- I would imagine the roster and the staff should be released before Christmas. Uh, but we'll wait and see. Uh, our required reading this week is titled Former Champions New York Out of 2024 MLR Season and America's Rugby News. Uh, just some more details on Rugby New York situation. Sounds like there was a sale that was trying to happen, just didn't go through, which ultimately led to their demise. Um, but I just it's been interesting to read uh, kind of all the stuff that's been going out there. So um, this was the first one I saw. America's Rugby News is usually on top of things. So I'll go ahead and link this article in the article that houses this podcast as well as the description of this podcast if you're interested in, in reading more about it. Uh, no stat of the week this week. We'll close the show with The Loop. Follow along on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby. Been more active on Twitter the last few weeks, um, but that's the best place to get in touch with me. Uh, and that does it for the show, really. First show in three months. Feel good about it. Just wanted to get all that stuff off my chest. Uh, not sure when I'm going to record again. I would assume I'll, I'll try to get one more before New Year's. Um, won't be back to regular scheduled programming probably until uh, rugby starts rolling in in January. So take it easy the rest of December. And then we'll see We'll see where the road leads us in January. Uh, but that's it. Thanks for listening. Hope you had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. Uh, we'll catch you all back here when we catch you back here.